This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. We have been talking about the book of James. The last two weeks have been serious kick in the pants for me. Maybe it was for you too. We are jumping into James chapter 3. Now just a little bit of recap. This is not James as in James and John, the apostle. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus, as in he grew up in the same house with Jesus as his younger brother. That is wild. And so what James is teaching us here, when he teaches us about the lifestyle of Jesus, the lifestyle of a Jesus follower, he is actually declaring what he saw Jesus do and heard Jesus say, because he watched the lifestyle of his older brother. James was the leader of the church at Jerusalem, which was massively significant because it was the father church, the parent church, to the apostles that were going to planting churches outside of Jerusalem. So he writes this letter to the churches in the outskirts and pretty much all around the Mediterranean. And the theme of his letter is this. A follower of Jesus is not just a hearer of the word, not someone who just listens. They are a doer of the word. They're people of action. They're people that go, people that serve. People that love with action. And if you were to look through his letter, there are three themes that are just going to appear over and over and over again. One, a Christ follower will keep their mouth in check. They'll keep their hands busy with serving. And they will keep themselves holy before God. Because genuine faith always results into obedience to Jesus' teaching. And we're going to see over and over again, James is just going to echo Jesus' teaching over and over again. He's going to make, I don't know, like five different allusions to the Sermon on the Mount. Are you ready to begin this? I'm super excited. You couldn't chase me off the stage and fight you. A young couple were visiting Morocco in North Africa, and they dined at a restaurant called La Tunisia. It was a lovely little place with nice atmosphere, and they served a lot of delicious cultural food of that area. After they had been seated, they saw the waitress coming. She had dark hair, olive-colored skin, and dark eyes, and they both said, wow. I bet you she's from here in North Africa. She walked up and said, Hi, y'all ordered y'all's drinks yet? Maybe deep South Africa? She wasn't what they expected. And later she told them that she was from Tyler, Texas. She had nothing to do with the North African area. And they said this as a conclusion. You could tell by her speech. See, many Christians claim to follow Jesus but you know that they don't because you can tell by their speech, by the words they use, by how they talk about each other, by how they talk to each other. Are you ready to dive in? Let's go. James chapter 3, verse 1. James has talked a lot, even in these first two chapters, about our speech. In one nine, he says, Be quick to listen and slow to... Be quick to listen and slow to. Excellent. In 126, he says, if you think you're a Christ follower, but you don't bridle your mouth, 
then you're just lying to yourself. And then in the last chapter, we, t- we read last week, he says, so speak and act as those who are being judged under the law of liberty. Now in chapter 3, this is going to come to a head, and he's going to release an arsenal of truth at us about an area of hypocrisy in our lives, and it's with our mouth. So verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Teachers are those who instruct. They use words. And what is James saying? He's saying that those who are trying to be teachers just out of maybe being ambitious, maybe looking good, maybe wanting to have the spotlight, they need to be careful because those who are using words to communicate the word of God are going to be held to a stricter judgment. He's actually echoing Jesus' words in Matthew 12, 36 through 37, where Jesus says, I tell you, and this is going to be key for the rest of the night, hang on to this, on the day of judgment, People will give account for every, they will give account for every careless word that they speak. Careless is in useless, empty, vain, foolish. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Every word. Think about how much of our conversation is useless. How many things do we say throughout the day that is absolutely void of anything real or of substance? Every one of those. we will be held accountable to. No wonder James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Let's keep going. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. There's nobody here, James is saying, none of us are claiming that we're absolutely sinless, that we have it all figured out. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, as in what we do with our mouths, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. Bridle his whole body. Again, perfect does not mean that if you can control your mouth, you suddenly become a sinless, perfect person. He's referring to the word integrity. Integrity means same strength throughout. How many holes does it take to pop a balloon? Right? All right, so for very quickly, I'd like to welcome back to the stage our repeat visitor, Henry Longfellow. Bring him on up. Come on, Henry. Yes, named after that wonderful poet. All right, so... Last week, James was talking to us and pointed out, just weave it all the way out to the color. Hey, look, there's our colors. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Noah. He was talking about how so many times as Christians, we'll think that we have these big things in check, so we've got it all figured out. Like maybe maybe I'm not stealing, maybe I'm not lying, maybe I'm not dealing with, with pride or, or, or whatever. Insert sin, you know, challenge in your life that separates you from God. But what James did last week is he said, but there's this little tiny thing right here that you think is not important. Your prejudice, how you treat people that are different from you. And what James pointed out last week is he was was saying, even though this section seems so small and insignificant, how many tears does it take to compromise this whole rope? One. And so James takes this and he escalates it and says, this is massively important. How you treat people is how you're treating Jesus. And he's going to do it again tonight. He's going to say, our mouth to us, we overlook. We think, well, I've got this in check. I've got this in check. I've got this in check. But he's saying, there's this one area that you have been downplaying, that you haven't paid much attention to, that you haven't surrendered to Jesus Christ. And this one area is not just critical. It's actually the steering wheel for the rest of your life. And it's your mouth. And so we're going to zoom in. James is going to zoom in on this little, what we think is small, 
and that is our words. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Henry, CEO. Boy, I love Henry. He's so good. James is saying here that for many Christians, our mouth may be the last stronghold of the enemy. I mean, what does he say? He says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. Man, I wonder if people historically, I wonder if they could bridle their mouths, how many wars would have been avoided? How many marriages saved? How many friendships wouldn't have gone down in flames? How would that have changed human history if people just kept their mouths in check? And so James moves on and he starts giving us analogies. I love metaphors. Verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses, do you all have seen like bridles in horses' mouths, right? If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also, though they're so large and are driven by strong winds, yet they're guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a member, yet it boasts of great things. What's he saying? Both of these examples, what do they have in common? They have in common that he's talking about a small thing that affects a much larger thing. But that small thing is what steers the bridle, the rudder, the much larger thing. He's saying that our words, our language, actually is the course setter for our lifestyle. Consider that. Could it really be your mouth that destines you towards your career, towards your marriage, towards how healthy your friendships are, towards how healthy your leadership is in different roles? Your grades, is our mouth really in control? How crazy is that, James? It's a steering wheel of our lives. And so James is asking me and you, if the bridle turns the horse, if the rudder turns the ship, and the mouth turns our lifestyle, James is asking us tonight, are you, am I in control of our lives? Are you in control of your mouth? Are you in control of your words? Or is it just like this loose fire hose that's whipping all over the place, causing damage to the people around you? Are you in control of your mouth? Many of us believe that we are living the lifestyle of Jesus, but we are absent the mouth style. Are we talking the way Jesus talks? How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Don't miss this. This is scary. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and it is set on fire by hell. James is not pulling punches. He's not candy-coating anything. You want to know where the evil comes from? Whenever you start bad-mouthing somebody, gossiping, lying, do you want to know where that comes from? It's coming from hell itself, under the influence of our enemy. James is not pulling punches. It's like we are all carrying a disease, and we are contagious to the people around us. And if we're not careful, we will infect the very people that we love, and that fire will spread further than what we imagine. Our mouth is very, very powerful, or it is very, very dangerous. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Tamed, being bridled, conquered, defeated, overcome, 
This is actually a reference to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. 28. It's when God blesses mankind. We can just read it real quick. God is talking to them, and he's giving man a purpose. And he says this, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Subdue it, conquer it, bridle it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what's James saying? Man may have obtained dominion over everything in God's creation, but even if he still can conquer the craziest sea creature, the most powerful land animal, he still cannot conquer his tongue. James, man, what am I going to do? And then he continues on. He's kicking us while we're down here. Verse 8, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And here's the clincher. With it, we bless the Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. What hypocrisy do we live in? Verse 18, or chapter 18, verse 21 of Proverbs says this. If you think that James is being strong on his own, he's actually standing on top of Scripture. Proverbs 18, 21 says this. Death and life. Death, as in death and life, are in the very power of the tongue. James is not making this stuff up. It is a deadly poison. It is so full of evil. But I don't want you to miss this. He says that we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Get this. He's also referring back to Genesis chapter 1, two verses before that blessing. And he says that he made man and woman, and he made them in the likeness of his image. As in his signature, his thumbprint on his masterpiece, his magnum opus, his very favorite thing that he created, he put his signature on, and that was the likeness of his image. Which means that his signature is on me, and his signature is on you. And his signature is on the person that you're cutting down, too. We are speaking trash about the very image of God when we are cutting somebody else down. Whenever we badmouth about our teacher to a friend, we say something really ugly to our parents. Whenever we talk bad about ourselves and cut ourselves down, we are talking about the image of God. What he said was good. Last week, we talked about what we do to others, we're doing directly to Jesus. That's heavy. He continues his his imagery. Verse 10, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring come forth from the same opening, both fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water water. Again, James is referring to Jesus' teaching. This is Matthew 12, 33-37. Jesus says this, either make a tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. And then Jesus like hits them hard. You brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, hey, look, here's some familiar verses. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word that they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. James is saying that you can't have blessing and cursing in the same mouth. 
It's not possible. Your mouth will reflect your heart. Filthy mouth, filthy heart and spirit. Godly mouth, godly heart and spirit. You're one or the other. You don't get to walk the fence on this. So many people think that they're walking their fence. They're doing just enough to fit in with their friends, and they're doing just enough to sort of be like Jesus. But you have forgotten that Satan owns the fence. Either what is in our heart comes out as righteous and holy and truthful, or it comes out foul and diseased and evil. You want to know where your spiritual maturity is? Take a look at your mouth, at what you've been talking about over the last couple of days. The Holy Spirit is shining a light on our hearts here. And there, even the holiest Christian is not exempt from needing the Spirit to come and be the Spirit of holiness in us. James makes a contrast in these next few verses. He contrasts what is from above and what is earthly. He asks, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Again, he's referring back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is translated as gentleness. And Jesus was flipping the script on him because meekness, gentleness, was considered insulting by, by Romans and by Greeks. They thought that was considered weakness, and Jesus is going, no, no, no. Gentleness is actually a sign of my people. Flipping the script on them. Our words should reflect both gentleness and wisdom because a Jesus follower makes a practice. Please don't miss this. This is worth writing down. A Jesus follower makes a practice out of knowing what words God has for any given situation. If wisdom is knowing God's will for a situation, and he's calling us to be gentle, and he's calling us to have words that are appropriate that reflect God for every situation in our lives. So whenever we, as we're going throughout our day, every situation, we should be conscious, how would God speak here? How would Jesus be speaking here? Verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. The sin of our mouths comes from jealousy and selfishness. Our words are a reflection of our hearts. And our hearts are a reflection of our influences. And he lists our influences. Are our our influences earthly, unspiritual, and demonic? Because that is what will be reflected in our words. Man, James, you're... Filthy mouth, filthy spirit. Godly mouth, godly spirit. James 3.16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be, there you go, disorder and every vile practice. So these two sources are behind every evil, according to James. Jealousy and selfishness. Can you think of a sin that isn't rooted in one of those two things? I thought about it for a little while. Talk about it in e-groups if you think of something. How do we shape our words to be godly? How can we apply who Jesus is into the situations of our lives? James 3, verse 17. This is so beautiful. You ready? But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown 
as in planted, sown as you put seeds in the ground, and it, it produces something back. A harvest of righteousness is sown. So how do you get the harvest of righteousness? What is sown? It's sown in peace by those who make peace. How are we planting our words? Because we will receive back what we plant. Our words are seeds. Our words are seeds. They're seeds. Everything that we say is going to return. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. James is again going back to the Sermon on the Mount. He spent his life with Jesus. He was used to Jesus' teachings. So I want to apply that phrase that I quote from my old teacher over and over again. 30 seconds of indiscretion can destroy a lifetime of testimony. But a lifetime of testimony can bring a multitude to the Father. Let's tweak that tonight. 30 words of indiscretion can destroy a lifetime of testimony. But a lifetime of testimony can bring a multitude to the Father. A lifetime of words that reflect Christ can bring a multitude to the Father. Galatians 6, 7 through 9 says that you reap whatever you sow. And you know what? There's four audiences to your words. They're the people around you. God himself. Satan, your enemy, hears you. And the fourth one is you hear yourself. Actually, you're the first audience to every word that you speak. Think of how profound that is. You are receiving back everything that you say first before it hits anybody else's ears. And so I want to point out eight sins of our mouth, eight ways that we get ourselves in trouble, eight diseases that spread fire through the people that we love and care about. And there's probably more than these, but these are the ones that I found quickly. The first one is angry speech. Proverbs 29.11 says, fools vent their anger. Have you ever gotten so angry that just whatever comes out of your mouth is that, that unheld fire hose, just whipping? Just angry, just venom. Whatever happens in your mind or your heart is what's spewed out of your mouth. That angry speech. James actually deals with this. James 1, 19 through 20. James says, human anger does not produce righteousness of God. So I'm asking you, are you planting seeds of righteousness or planting seeds of anger with your mouth? The second one is complaining. Oh, man. It is so enjoyable to just vomit your feelings, to make this laundry list of how bad life is, to lay out all your woes to anybody who will listen. But if you're discussing a problem and you're not looking for wise counsel, check yourself. You might be complaining. And I can tell you, you can take this to the bank, that complaining may be a search for sympathy, but it is always, always a lack of faith. Thank you. That is so real. Every time we say there's a situation in my life and it is merit of my complaining about it, we are saying my God is not sovereign and in control. That's me. Like, ouch. Are you planting seeds of righteousness or seeds of doubt? How about foul language? One of the greatest evidences of your mouth style being different than the culture around you is the abstinence from profanity. It's so simple. People notice that you're different, like, right away. As soon as they recognize that that's just not how you talk, you're just different, you set set yourself out. If you're using profanity or foul language just to try to fit into a sinful world, then you're like this 
undercover Christian. You're not, you're not being Jesus. You're not being salt and light. You're just fitting in. Are you planting seeds of righteousness or seeds of filth? Man, here's a good one. Someone in here needs to hear this. Another one is self-depreciation. That's where you just criticize yourself. I'm ugly. I'm stupid. I'm fat. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I'm just lousy. No, no, no. I just can't pass this class. What's crazy is that we often believe what we say about ourselves more than what we believe about what other people say about us. Think about this. If you think your hair looks dumb and someone comes and tells you you look nice, the inner voice going, you look stupid, rings truer to us than what someone else might say about us. Remember, we are the first audience of our words. And so whenever you are self-depreciating, when you are just cutting yourself down, your ears are the first ones to pick it up and they're seeds that you're planting. Are you planting seeds of righteousness or seeds of self-criticism? Because remember, when you're speaking derogatory about yourself, you're speaking derogatory about God's masterpiece. You're speaking derogatory about the artist and what he called good. This is another, it's almost like a, a generic category, but bear with me. This is called foolish talk. And this can be everything from, from sexual humor, lewd conversation, to that harsh joking, that kind of thing where you're like, yeah, you're stupid. <laughs> you know I'm just kidding. That is so unbiblical. It's foolish. But I also want to insert under this category, and we need to pay attention to this because we do it so easily that we don't realize that we're planting seeds of foolishness in our lives. And it's using really negative words like saying, like, oh, I'm just stressed. Oh, this is a problem. Man, I'm just going to fail. I quit. I'm always broke. I just want to kill myself. I'm dead. I'm stupid. This sucks. I hate this. We, we throw this stuff around, and it's casual, and it's almost humorous, but we don't realize that we're actually planting this negativity, this, this doubt, this criticism all over people and all over ourselves. Remember our mouths? They're like a small fire that catches and catches and catches. It's like a sickness in us, and we do it so easily. Maybe we need to start catching ourselves. Consider the difference affirmation makes from criticism when we say something like this. I hate this class, and you know what? The teacher hates me. Versus, God will give me strength, and anything that is difficult, I can overcome because he is in my life. I have faith in my creator, in the sovereign Lord that's leading me, that I can overcome what's in front of me. I am equipped to handle any issue of today that I come against. I will walk in strength, integrity, peace, humility, and joy because my God says that I am his son. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. Are we planting seeds of righteousness or seeds of foolishness? Lying. There's an overwhelming number of verses on lying in, in the Bible. I don't feel like I have to convince you of this, but I'll give you one. Proverbs 12, 22 says this. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Abomination to the Lord. Are you planting seeds of righteousness or seeds of deception? And anyone that gets caught into a world of lying will tell you that one lie builds onto the next, onto the next, until you are a slave to your own lies. Number seven, insulting, cutting down people. 
James already has dealt with this today. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. We cannot live with criticism in our mouths and call ourselves followers of Jesus. I love what Ira Gasson Gasson says. Be careful of your thoughts. They may become words at any moment. Are you planting seeds of righteousness or curses in the people around you? I don't care if it's the person that hates you. We need to be quick to listen. We need to be so slow to speak. And we ought to never criticize. We ought to live with only affirmation, only love, only positivity in our mouths. If, there's, if there is a time that we have to give testimony to what someone did that is negative, there's a time and a place. But it is certainly not with other people just in conversation. It is certainly not to cut someone down, to elevate ourselves, or to make someone else look foolish. This is not the way Jesus talks. Let's not just have a lifestyle. Let's have a mouth style of Jesus. And finally, the last one is gossip. And I'm telling you that the person that is self-righteously nodding their heads, uh uh-huh, Dom, you preach it, is just as at risk as the person that they're thinking about for gossip. We are all in danger of this. We all get caught up in the story. We all have the desire and temptation to share somebody else's story, somebody else's information. So let's, like, stop thinking about somebody else. Like, disconnect. Stop the self-righteousness in your mind right now. Disconnect from thinking of anybody else, and let's do some self-criticism. Let's do some self-evaluation and lay ourselves before the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, can I I grow in this? We've got to bridle our tongue. We are sinning when we play in the gray of the storytelling. And here is your filter. Here is how you can start processing. One, is this information that I'm about to tell, is this story about somebody else that I'm about to tell, is it true? It's so simple. And you're like, well, of course, Tom, I wouldn't tell it if it wasn't true. Eh, we can stretch it a bit. Or it was stretched by the time it got to us. Is it true? Do I actually know that these facts are what they, what they are? Or is this just hearsay? The second thing, and here's where the rubber meets the road, is this story necessary to be told? Is it necessary? Am I just having fun and making people laugh? Is this just information other people don't have yet and I get to be the one to tell them? Is it necessary to be told? And here's the third one. And this actually shows the heart of Jesus. Is telling this story, sharing this information in that person's best interest. You see, there there is a handful of exceptional cases when we as friends, and I as a youth pastor, have to step out of a confidentiality role and say, I'm going to have to share this information because I care so much about you. And even if we have to lose a friendship, even if we have to lose respect, I care enough about you that I need to share this with somebody who can do something about it, who can, who can help. But other than those very few handful of isolated events, most of the time we ought to be really, really careful that we are actually sharing something that is in someone's best interest because we love them, because Jesus calls us to love them. Joyce Meyer says this, great minds talk about creative ideas. Average minds talk about things. Small minds talk about people. Are you planting seeds of righteousness? Or are you planting seeds of pleasure at somebody else's expense? Paul says this in Colossians 3, 7 through 10. But now you must put away. 
you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of the Creator. We are reflecting our Creator when our mouths are full of righteousness, affirmation, love, and truth. So let's surrender our mouths to the Holy Spirit tonight. Let's shake off the old corpse that used to be us. Let's stop talking through a dead mouth and start speaking through new life that the Holy Spirit has poured into us. Proverbs 19.14. We'll close on this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of my mouth and the meditations of my, my heart. O Lord, let them be acceptable in your sight. Heavenly Father, it is a joy to serve you with our hands. And I pray, Lord, that you will discipline us to serve us, to serve you with our mouths. Let us be men and women of integrity who begin to talk a lot less, who begin to choose our words before they cross our lips, who choose our thoughts to reflect who your son is and who, what your love is before we say things out loud. Let us, let us stop lying and talking in anger, cutting people down, self-criticizing and gossiping. Lord, break these habits off of your people. Clean up our hearts so that what comes out of our mouth is a reflection to your new love in us, to your new life in us. Lord, take control. Lord, if we can't bridle our own mouths, then Lord, we surrender our mouths to you. Holy Spirit, bridle them for us. Take control of the thing that is out of our control. Quench this forest fire. Cure this disease. Lord, move in us to begin to lift up instead of tear down. Lord, when Isaiah was before your throne, his confession, Lord, was that his lips were unclean and he was from a people that were, had unclean lips. Lord, I pray that you will come and purify our lips tonight. Come, touch us with that metaphorical hot coal. Singe away everything that is fleshly. And let us speak your kind of words in every situation. Let us begin to have the mouth style of Jesus Christ. Forgive us, Lord, for everyone that we've hurt. Forgive us, Lord, for every time our mouth has not been surrendered. Lord, forgive me. Use us, Lord. Let us be light and salt wherever we go because people recognize that our words are affirming and loving and truthful and quick to praise. We love you, Lord. Let our mouths be for blessing only and no longer cursing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.